You're listening to And welcome back to another episode of Books and Bobo, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Ri Rayu. And we are here for our mid-February book news update. <laughs> Somehow we've arrived at the middle of February, but LA seems to think it's summer already, but then winter as well. Um, Rewa, did you get caught up in the hail yesterday? There was hail? I don't know. Like two I days ago? Never go out- <laughs> I never go outside my house, so I... <laughs> don't pay attention to these things i mean it rained a lot okay. so i'm guessing that was when it hailed yeah i thought it was heavy rain but then ice cubes started falling from the sky so uh yeah Ooh. how was your valentine's day it was good uh what did i do uh so my partner and i tend to be low-key for valentine's day uh before the pandemic our tradition was always to go to soup plantation for a soup and salad buffet uh, but since that restaurant closed during the pandemic, uh, what did we do? Wait, did Soup Plantation really close during the pandemic? I feel like it closed way beforehand. Or maybe it w- they were like mass closing some of their branches. Because the one that was in chapter my town. 11, I want to say 10 years ago. But they survived. Uh, and then they closed for good two years ago. Uh, I see, I see. In 2020. How was your Valentine's Day? Yeah, my Valentine's Day uh we had a living room picnic and we watched The Tinder Swindler, which is very on brand for us because <laughs> we love documentaries and we're very cynical about love, even though we've been in an 11 year long relationship. <laughs> I mean, your relationship predates the um, online dating scene. So I think you missed that whole boat, right? It doesn't predate it, Marvin. I'm <laughs> not that old. A lot of my a lot of my friends and a lot of my former classmates, they uh, met their significant others through Tinder or some kind of like East. What is it? East meets East. The, the dating app where Asians like get matched with other Asians. I don't remember what it was called, but I had a friend who recently got married uh, because she met her husband through that app. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It's just, I didn't go through with dating apps because I thought I was going to be single forever. But uh turns out, life said, no. No. <laughs> now, that's a rom-com setup right there. I don't like to think of my life as a rom-com. I'm too much of a depressing person. <laughs> but I hope everyone had a good Valentine's Day or Galentine's Day. Um, oh, it does... So, like, in Korean culture, we have, uh, on top of, like, Valentine's Day, White Day, we also have Black Day, which is April 14th. And that's when all the single folks who didn't get chocolates from, uh, from like, either sexes <laughs> will go eat uh, black bean noodles together. Oh, and wow. that used to be a tradition amongst, like, my friends and I before I uh, became not single anymore. But I still would go with them because I'm like, I want some black bean noodles. Like, why? I mean, they're better than chocolate. I would rather. <laughs> I don't think Taiwanese Chinese have a Valentine's Day tradition like that besides, um, you know, the commercialized version that we inherited from the United States. Um 
And we don't do the chocolate thing like the Japanese or Koreans do. I mean, like Valentine's Day is mostly for guys to give chocolates to girls. And then White Day is like the response, you okay. know, like if it's... the girls reciprocate, then they give. Wait, actually, no, it's the opposite. So Valentine's Day is when the girls give the chocolate to okay, the guys. Yeah. From my extensive anime experience, I always felt like the girls giving guys chocolate, right? Yeah. I mean, Korean Americans, so we don't really <laughs> do any of that. That's always been like a weird cultural dissonance, in my opinion. Like I would hear like my cousins talk about White Day. It's like, oh, my my boyfriend got me this bouquet of lollipops. And I'm like... Why did he do that? It's not Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, well, however you celebrated it, um, if you celebrated Valentine's Day, um, we hope you had a great time. If not, you know, just relax at home and you can do that too. Um, yeah, I mean, Valentine's Day is totally a capitalistic holiday. So really, I mean, holidays winning? in general these days are just I know, I know. extra reasons to sell. Even Lunar New Year has become... A capitalist holiday. I get so many ads from skincare companies saying, <laughs> oh, like, here's our Lunar New Year package. Yeah. Here's our, um, like, Autumn Festival package. And it's like, I don't know, like, why you're trying to market towards me this way. It, it just, there is a, it's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we should move on to um, the real reason we're here for this episode, which is to go over the latest book news in Asian American literature, which um, I don't know, there's quite a bit this month. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like we kind of went on for an extended break, so it makes sense that there's a little bit more than usual, but yeah. I am ready when you are, Marvin. All right. As always, um, these announcements are sourced from Publishers Weekly and on Twitter. So if we did miss anything that you're excited about, um, let us know on Goodreads. Um, but yeah, let's start with our first story. Grove Atlantic bought North American rights to My Nemesis by National Book Award longlisted author Charmaine Craig. Uh, the novel is told from the perspective of a successful white woman writer involved in an intellectual affair with a man whose mixed-race Asian wife becomes her adversary. It explores ideas about feminism, liberal guilt, and what it means to be a strong woman today. My Nemesis is slated for February 2023. Uh, so... Charmaine Craig is the author of Miss Burma, which is a historical literary fiction novel uh, that tells the story of a modern day Burma through the eyes of one family struggling to find love, justice and meaning. And this is sort of based on uh, Charmaine's own family's history. Uh, her mother was a beauty queen and famous actress in Burma. So uh, I I think my nemesis is going to be around the same genre of like literary fiction. Okay. Because um, the way it sounds, it kind of sounds like a romantic thriller, which some like white privileged mixed in. Oh, um, yeah. There's definitely like white <laughs> privileged tension, which we all love, you know, <laughs> like love all of that passive aggressive tea. Love to spilled. read and reflect about. <laughs> Don't love in practice, <laughs> to be clear. Yes. Yes. As long as it's not directed at me, it's fun to read. <laughs> well, congrats to Charmaine Craig on her new book deal. All right. Next up, Penguin Press acquired a new novel by Celeste Ng, the author of Little Fires Everywhere. Our missing hearts take place in a near future U.S. where after years of economic decline and unrest, a set of laws aimed at maintaining American culture ban books deemed unpatriotic, among other things. 
Bird Gardner, a 12-year-old who lives alone with his father, has been taught to disavow his mother, a Chinese-American poet who left the family when he was nine. His mother's work under the culture laws has been banned. But after receiving a mysterious letter, he begins to search for her. The book is set to be released in October. Wow. I never thought I would see Celeste Aang write a speculative um, literature work. It's funny how it's about... America banning books, considering that's exactly what is happening right now. <laughs> it is a little ripped in the headlines for sure. Yeah. I mean, this book is coming out this year in October. So she was definitely working on it uh, before a lot of the uh, school districts have banned the most recent batch of books. I mean, but I book feel banning like school... has been part of American history for a very long time. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, especially during the four years of the previous administration, there was a lot of this stuff going on, too. It's always interesting to read books that are kind of like they're supposed to be speculative, but also it feels very realistic. <laughs> because we're living we're we're living through the darkest timeline. I mean every generation needs a Fahrenheit 451, right? Oh, that's true. Yep. I wonder I wonder what unpatriotic American books mean. <laughs> I think we know what they mean. I mean, does does that mean like anybody who is not a white author is considered not readable? I feel like, like it's probably just anything that criticizes either American history or even like capitalism, right? I mean, let's just look at let's just look at what they're trying to ban today, and I think we ha- we can have a pretty good idea of what. That, yeah, yeah, is that's going true. On. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, Quiltree bought world rights to Made in Asian America: A History for Young People by historian Erica Lee and Christina Suntornfat. This middle grade nonfiction book tells the story of how generations of Asian Americans have transformed the U.S. and how they shaped what it means to be American today. Publication is planned for winter 2024. Wow. Talk about some powerhouses. Um, Christina Suntornfot, of course, is a prolific author who's written a ton of both fiction and nonfiction books. And Erica Lee is like one of the leading scholars of Asian American history and immigration studies as well. Yeah, um, I think like her most well-known book is The Making of Asian America, which is pretty much like the textbook of Asian American <laughs> history. Um, it's really nice that they are working together to create like a young readers version because I feel like a lot of us don't know, don't learn about Asian American history until they take an Asian American history class in college. And that's only if it fits into your schedule. So yeah, yeah, it's nice that there is something available for young readers. All right. Next up, Anik Press acquired in an exclusive submission world rights to When I Gave Dad a Sign by author-illustrator Jack Wong. In this picture book, an immigrant father and daughter duo uniquely come to each other's aid as well as come into their own as they navigate their new English-speaking world. Publication is set for fall 2023. Hmm. I wonder what the sign means. Is it a literal sign or like a figurative sign? These are the questions I'm asking having not seen anything about this picture book except your description. I mean, I think it's really cute that it's about a father and daughter who are trying to learn English together, pretty much. Yeah. All right, next up, Little Simon has acquired rights to author-illustrator Rachel Chochi's board book, We Are Earthlings, a celebration of unity and the important rules we all play to take care of the home we all share. Publication is planned for spring 2023. This sounds like a book that talks about environmentalism and global warming. <laughs> global warming. Definitely. 
Yeah. And I guess it's good that we're teaching kids about this because they're the ones that have to deal with the brunt of climate change because um, they're going to be here longer than us. Are you sure about that? Maybe we'll all <laughs> die together. <laughs> that took a very grim turn. Okay, <laughs> next up. Red Comet Press has acquired world rights to Walter Takes a While by Ann Kim Ha, a picture book about an unusual crocodile who hides in the grassy swamp, not because he's hunting for prey, but because he's achingly introverted, even oh. around his friends. Publication is set for spring 2023. Oh, uh, Walter. Yes, a book about <laughs> introverts. I can... Definitely relate. You know, you know, it's never too early to learn that it's okay to not like to hang out with people. I don't like how in our society, like you have to be extroverted in order to be considered successful <laughs> because I don't know, it just it just seems to gear towards um like traditional masculinity because they're supposedly like they're supposed to be deemed like more outgoing, more charming, and have more leadership skills. And it's just like, mm, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just have to be like Walter, just chill in the reeds. All right. Next up, Page Street Kids has acquired road rights to When an Elephant Hears No by Dazzle Ng and illustrated by Estrella Lorenzo. Uh, when an Elephant Hears No is about a little elephant's romp of encounters with the tiny tricky word no and its many nuanced meanings. Publication is planned for winter 2024. I love that we're getting all of these like books for young people about social things that we probably should have learned when we were kids. Like it's okay to be introverted and it's okay to say no to things. Yeah, because now we're old enough to have children and we're like, we're not going to pass that uh, baggage <laughs> onto, onto our kids. Break the cycle. <laughs> Yeah, but it's really nice because, you know, kids, they need to learn how to set their own boundaries. Like when adults want to hug them, like, you know, tell them, no, yeah. I feel uncomfortable. And that's totally fine. We should not shame kids for, you know, setting boundaries. For sure. All right. Next up, Barefoot Books has bought world rights to Hana's Hundreds of Hijabs by Razina Omar Guta and illustrated by Manal Mirza. When Hana's overflowing collection of hijabs gets out of hand, she comes up with a clever, creative plan. Publication is scheduled for fall 2022. Hmm. This kind of reminds me of that one picture book about the girl and the hundred dresses. Sure. Um, but yeah, this is with, <laughs> with the hijabs. Yeah. I wonder if her solution is going to be magic-based or like Marie Kondo-based. I, I don't really get a sense of like a magical... Uh, element to this book but yeah, I can I can definitely relate to this because I do tend to hoard a lot of things and it's like well I live in a very small apartment so I should <laughs> really Marie Kondo everything but it's hard you know we're we're in a pandemic who knows when you'll buy things again so you know I get but the you, thing is like is once you <laughs> once you get rid of something and you think that you don't need it anymore, that's when you need it. And <laughs> then you yell at yourself for throwing it away. I think that's just that's probably more of a mental thing than anything else. There was a time, okay, so when I was younger, uh I used to have a lot of headbands because um my my grandmother would just like buy me a whole bunch and then people were like oh you like headbands and then more people will give me headbands so i had like a very very big collection of headbands and i tossed them all out when i was a teenager because i was like 
headbands are too girly. I'm going to be a goth teen because I was going through my goth phase. <laughs> and as I got older, I was like, oh, wait, like it would have been really nice to have headbands that go well with like formal dresses or, you know, <laughs> when I decide to not want to style my hair to have something pretty. And wow, why did I toss out like hundreds of dollars worth of headbands why did i do this to myself so uh, yeah i wonder if uh hana is going to sell her jobs <laughs> maybe <laughs> sell them on depot you know get that cash i don't know let's just hope she doesn't do anything she'll regret like rira i know yeah <laughs> i mean regret is part of growing up <laughs> All right. Uh, our next book deal, Harper Collins has acquired Miranda Sun's debut YA contemporary fantasy, If I Have to Be Haunted, in a two-book six-figure deal at auction. If I Have to Be Haunted is about a Chinese-American teen who reluctantly embraces her ghost-speaking heritage to resurrect her nemesis, to resurrect her nemesis, the local golden boy, from an otherworldly snake bite, rekindling a multi-generational feud and maybe falling in love with him in the process. Publication is scheduled for summer 2023 and summer 2024, respectively. Wow, that I wonder what, like, how, like, why would you resurrect your nemesis? I'm interested. <laughs> that description went places because at first I thought, oh, contemporary fantasy, probably like urban fantasy, but then it becomes a enemies to lovers slash zombie story. Does Chinese folklore have zombies? I mean. You guys, ha- you guys have, you guys have like a ghosts. very extensive ghost culture. We have a lot of ghosts. Um, I mean, we have Jiangsu, which is colloquially Chinese vampires, which I think count as zombies as well. I'm not sure. This sounds like a lot of fun mixing, you know, Chinese mythology with rom com tropes. Yeah, I wonder how. I mean, the fact that he he's dead and she's alive. How how is that going to work? <laughs> and the dilemma of resurrecting the golden boy. You know, that straight A student that you can never measure up to. You know, that's kind of (laughs) so annoying. Like, never, I would never ever resurrect someone like that. You would let them die. Cause it's like, (laughs) (laughs) cause everybody grows up with like their parent comparing them to, to like the golden child. And it's like, like, why would you want to bring that back? Just, just why? (laughs) Yeah. What if, if he's dead, then you're the golden child. Yeah, exactly. You know? We are terrible people. We should not be trusted. We, we are very terrible people. Yeah. Resurrection powers. We're we're all going to hell. All <laughs> right. Uh, next up, Simon and Schuster has bought in a preempt professional lion dancer and cartoonist Sai Se's debut middle grade graphic novel, Lion Dancers, about the cultural ancestry of Chinese lion dance and its traditions told through the lens of a pair of former best friends, now rivals in middle school, competing for their lion dance team's MVP position. Publication is scheduled for 2024. This is interesting. This combines some of my favorite tropes, which is like, obscure sports story um and chinese culture <laughs> yeah i like the fact that they're they're rivals in middle school <laughs> oh middle school is when rivalry middle school starts. rivalry is like so fierce <laughs> and i do like that um lion dancing is interesting because it's one of the most recognizable aspects of like lunar new year and chinese culture and also one of the least understood because i'm pretty sure 99 percent of people who watch lion dancing don't even know they're lions that are dancing. I mean, 
it, it always looks really hard whenever I see <laughs> a lion dance performances. I'm like, how like how young do you have to start to to like get all of that skill? Yeah, I mean, you have to be able to jump around, climb on each other's backs. It's um, you know, it's just as rigorous as competitive cheerleading. I feel like so, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, next up is another graphic novel. Um, Union Square Kids has acquired at auction the graphic novel Alterations by animated feature story artist Raymond Shu. Um, for fans of Jean Luan Yang's American Born Chinese and Svetlana Chmakova's Awkward, this coming of age story features middle schooler Kevin Lee who feels invisible in two different cultures. Uh, publication is slated for spring 2023. Alterations. That's an interesting title. Because it could mean like, okay, like, does Kevin's parents work in alterations or is alterations about altering his identity to fit into a certain mold to be accepted in school? Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any um, details on what it could mean. I mean. Alterations is also a word that has, you know, many meanings and can have a lot of nuance, which a lot of these books about dual identities um involved so um yeah congratulations to raymond on his book deal excited for more middle grade graphic novels all right next up candlewick has acquired in a multiple offer situation world rights to ava lynn by vicky fang former google product designer and author of the layla and the bots and the friend bots series the illustrated chapter book graphic novel hybrid series features an optimistic and creative six-year-old Chinese-American girl with a knack for getting into and out of trouble. Publication is set for spring 2024, fall 2024, and spring 2025. This kind of reminds me of Jimmy Neutron. Because it's like about a kid who's like building inventions and yeah but better because it's about an asian american girl yeah <laughs> all right in a two book deal torting has acquired an exclusive in an exclusive submission Kristen simmons's find him where you left him dead pitched as jumanji meets i know what you did last summer in a japanese folklore inspired underworld that follows four estranged friends who after being summoned by the ghost of a friend they left for dead uh, must return to the deadly game they started or lose him and their lives forever. Publication is planned for spring 2023. I love this complex setup. It's so, um, it's so like high concept genre slash like kind of anime. Yeah. I, there's something about the concept of Jumanji where it's like they played games as a kid and now they have to come back as adults to finish the game. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like, like, it's a trope, but it but it like fits so well with the thriller genre, and you have like Japanese folklore um, yeah. tied to it, so I think that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, and you know we all we all love a good death game story, so so yeah, that's I'm excited true. for this book. Um, and I only have to wait a whole year to read it. All right, next up, Crown has acquired world rights to Francis Cha's debut picture book, The Goblin Twins, and an untitled sequel to be illustrated by Jamie Kim. In her first work for children, Cha, author of If I Had Your Face, draws from the Korean mythology of Tokebi to bring to life two magical, good-natured goblin tricksters who set out on an unexpected Halloween adventure in New York City. The books will be published in summer 2023 and summer 2024, respectively. There was a K-drama about 
still keeping yeah, you, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, the... <laughs> Yeah, Goblin. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one with Kong Yu, I think the the actor from the Train to Busan, and also uh, most recently the Squid, uh, most recently Squid Games. Uh, I have never watched the Goblin drama series. I'm very terrible with Korean dramas. <laughs> um, I'm a traitor to my kind. Um, but I love I love the fact that she's bringing in Tokebi because I feel like we don't really see that in a lot of children's literature and. I feel like Korean goblins are very different from goblins of other cultures, even Asian cultures. Yeah, I mean they're not like they're not like oni, right? They're not like ogres or anything. They're like more trickster. They're like maybe similar to like leprechauns, or I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, but they do have like a magical club that that pretty much is like a witch's function. You know, they can turn things into different objects, okay. and yeah, they have like a horn. Like a unicorn horn and in, in, in like the middle of their forehead. So they're like Lokis. They're just Lokis. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Always cool to see new mythologies enter the world of, I guess, Western literature. Not that we need Western literature to um, to validate our mythologies, but it's always cool to see it get represented in this way. All right. Our next book deal, Roaring Brook Press, has bought world rights to You Can Move Mountains. The picture book biography of painter and pop culture icon Bob Ross by Richard Ho, illustrated by Daniel Miaris. A gentle celebration of art as a way of life, the book weaves major events in the painter's life with invitations for the reader to create something new without worrying about mistakes or what others might think. Publication is slated for fall 2024. This is interesting. Not that, um, so I don't really have a lot of uh, personal connection with Bob Ross. Like, I knew who Bob Ross is, but I never watched any of his stuff. I'm sure it's very pleasant. But I love that this is an Asian author writing a book about Bob Ross. Uh, I mean, does it really matter? (laughs) Well, no, I mean, Um, I'm glad to see that um, whoever is the publisher, whoever commissioned this book, either gave it to Richard to write or Richard loved Bob Ross so much that he wanted to write a book about him and he was given permission to. Yeah, that's true. I mean... If we can get Richard on on social media to talk about his love for Bob Ross, that would be <laughs> pretty insightful. Yeah. Um, I remember watching Bob Ross as a, as a kid simply because I was really into art at that time. And um, I took a lot of art classes. But Bob Ross, I didn't really follow any of his paintings. It was just me sitting in front of the TV watching him. Because he would talk. It, it was like ASMR before ASMR became a thing. <laughs> Because he talks in like such a gentle voice and everything is like so calm and, you know, like he he's like so reassuring. So I can see why Bob Ross had like a cult following. Yeah. I do want to try one of his tutorials one day <laughs> and see like how feasible it is. Um, yeah. Well, congratulations to Richard for writing your Bob Ross book. All right. Scholastic has bought world rights to Save Me a Seat by co-author Gita Varadarajan's second picture book, My Sari, illustrated by Archana Srinivasan. In this story about culture and heritage, Divya wants to wear her mother's sari, and her disappointment about being too young spurs her mother to think creatively. Publication is slated for spring 2024. Nice. Um, Sounds cute. All right. And next up, uh, First Second has acquired world rights to Lunar Near Love Story, a YA graphic novel by Prince Medal winner Jean Luen Yang and Caldecott honoree Lei Wen Fan. Uh, the book is about Val, a teen turned cynical after learning about a family secret. 
who rejects all things romantic even though she's named in honor of Valentine's Day. But when sparks fly at a Lunar New Year lion dance, her fortunes and future begin to change. Interwoven with Tet, Donau, and Xingyan traditions, this is a love story about families, faith, and finding hope. Publication is set for winter 2024. Yay, another Lunar New Year story because I have like an ongoing list of these and (laughs) it's just so nice to have non-Chinese ones added to the mix. I mean, obviously this book has some Chinese elements, but considering that it says Tet and Seolnal. Well, Xinning is also, Xinning is what Chinese people call New Year. So it's... Yeah, so I'm guessing it mixes a lot of these cultures yeah i love that um this seems to be like a combination of the other two graphic novels that we've talked about (laughs) um but uh, i love that this is a lunar year story that combines the traditions of you know vietnamese korean and chinese traditions because i feel like that's kind of how celebrating lunar year feels like in the states at least here in in la right yeah yeah also uh (laughs) A teen turned cynical about romance. Uh, Wow, I feel so seen right now. (laughs) All right, next up, Viking has acquired at auction world English rights to Deathlings by Coco Ma. The first in an urban fantasy duology pitched as Warcross meets These Violent Delights, the book is set in a near-future New York City, where an organization known as the Syndicate protects the city against deadly underground creatures who rule the night and follows a teenage maverick hell-bent on winning a tournament held by the Syndicate in order to secure her dream job and destroy the monsters that changed everything. Publication is planned for fall 2023 and fall 2024. Wow. I'm looking up Coco Ma right now, and she is uh, another one of these super young writers. She is um, part of Yale University's class of 2025, so not even out of college. This is me crumbling to dust right now. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, young people, they have so much confidence these days. I know. Um, But this sounds really cool. Warcross and These Violent Delights, two books that I really enjoyed reading. Um, It didn't mention anything about romance, but These Violent Delights is a Romeo and Juliet story. So maybe there is some sort of star-crossed romance as well. Every time, like the the word the syndicate, I just can't help but think of Cowboy Bebop. (laughs) That's just like how my my brain is geared because that that show has been so formative <laughs> in my life but it kind of reminds me the the story kind of reminds me of buffy a little bit um and of course all of those animes where you have a character who's fighting demons like yeah. bleach and plus show yeah. yeah and tournaments <laughs> definitely you tournaments are like so so anime but <laughs> i love it yeah. i love it i'm excited to read it all right. Uh, our next deal, Penguin Workshop has bought First Night of Hallergarten uh, by author-illustrator Benson Shum, a picture book about a child who worries that she won't turn into a werewolf on her first night of Hallergarten. Publication is planned for summer 2023. So is it like I kindergarten? I get it. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's kindergarten for werewolves. I was like, what is Hallergarten? <laughs> All right. Well, next up, HarperCollins Quill Tree has acquired in a preempt The Space Between Here and Now, a speculative YA novel by Sarah Suk, the author of Made in Korea. It follows a teen with a mysterious condition that causes her to briefly transport back in time whenever she smells a scent linked to her memories, who discovers that all the answers she's been seeking about herself and her past may lie in finding her estranged mother living in Korea. 
publication is scheduled for fall 2023. Wow. Congrats to Sarah on her book deal. This story seems very hot. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> aren't all Korean stories hot? Well, yeah. <laughs> have this an element of hot to it? <laughs> this kind of reminds me of this Korean drama and webtoon called A Girl Who Sees Smells. Um, and it's about a girl who has the ability to like visually see smells. And I think that's an actual um, like medical condition. Oh, so like and, um, synesthesia, yeah, so it kind of reminds of me of smells. Yeah. Well, I'm interested. I mean, we had Sarah on our show and I had a really good time reading Made in Korea. So yeah, I'm excited to read her next book. <laughs> Um, okay, next up, HarperCollins has bought in an exclusive submission World Rights to Ramadan Kareem by Emmo Yuxay and illustrated by Hatam Ali, um, the creative team behind In My Mosque. This picture book showcases the joys and traditions of Ramadan celebrated around the world. Publication is slated for winter 2024. You know, we've had too many Lunar New Year books in this segment, so I'm glad to see other holidays also represented here i also have an ongoing list of ramadan books so it's always nice to find new ones to add because <laughs> yeah. there's only so many books that i can recommend every year for the same holiday That's so it's true. always nice to have an expansion of of the canon i guess yeah all right next up roaring brook has bought in an exclusive submission hidden tales a standalone middle grade fantasy by van huang the author of Girl Giant, and the Monkey King. Two orphan siblings are taken in by a mysterious hotel owner on an island filled with secrets. Strange creatures, wicked adults, and clues about where the siblings truly come from. Publication is planned for fall 2023. Ooh. Mysterious hotel, yes. Yeah. Uh, kind of reminds me of Spirited Away. Um, or Hotel de la Luna. Yeah. yeah. I, I just love the concept of magical hotels. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Um, yeah, sounds sounds interesting. Uh, and congrats to Van Hong on her new book deal. All right, last up, Harper Alley has acquired world rights to the middle grade contemporary graphic novel Taki's Belt by Fumio Obata. Um, Taki's Belt is about a boy named Taki who takes up martial arts lessons when his classmates begin bullying him. But when things start to get out of hand and new friendships are on the line, Taki must figure out what strength truly means. Publication is slated for fall 2024. I'm getting Karate Kid vibes. Yeah, I can envision the whole arc, you know. Um, he gets bullied, he takes martial arts, and the power goes to his head. At least that's what I envision from this um, synopsis. But yeah, always cool to see, you know, martial arts being integrated into, you know, fiction for young readers. Martial arts is all about self-improvement. So there's a lot of opportunities to, you know, give messages of like empowerment and responsibility. Yeah, um, as someone who did not take any martial arts classes <laughs> growing up, uh, it's like I'm always astounded by young people who are able to do all of these like cool martial arts moves. And I'm like, how is that physically possible? <laughs> yeah. And it's a graphic novel, so um, I'm pretty sure the action panels are going to look great. Yeah. Congrats to Fumio on his book deal. And with that, those are our book deals for February 2022. Um, let's move on to our book news, which we only really have one big story, if you don't count all the other stuff going on in literature right now, which is mostly about book bans, I feel like. Yeah, and we talked about book banning in a previous episode. It's just <laughs> it sucks. continuously it. happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our stance is the same. Book bans, not good, not great. Maybe don't do them. 
support your librarians and uh, <laughs> and your educators. And, you know, if if you're a parent, really advocate for your kids to have diverse books in the classroom. Yeah. Um, but with that said, let me just jump into um, the news. So according to Deadline, Will Yoon Lee and Mark and Christine Holder, Soul Street has acquired rights to Cindy Pond's best-selling sci-fi novels, Want, and its sequel, Ruse, for development as an international television series. The book series explores a divided society in near-future Taipei, plagued by pollution and class wars, and it follows a diverse group of friends who risk everything to save themselves and their city from collapse. Currently, the producers are looking for an Asian-American head writer to pen the series. I read Want, and I really liked it because <laughs> it was, I mean, it's set in the near future, but I I kind of feel like we we are in that future. I mean, already. near future <laughs> pandemic. What a especially stretch. where people are wearing masks. So in, in Want, um, like the premise said, it's set in uh, near future Taipei, p- plagued by pollution. The air is so bad that you need to have like a suit to protect you from the polluted air. And the thing is, these suits are only available to the rich, whereas the poor. They live in they live in um, squalor. They're breathing in polluted air, so they age faster, and they don't have the health care that they need in order to survive in this polluted world. So the main character he um, manages to get a rich person suit, and he sneaks he infiltrates into the top class so that he can dismantle the system with the help of his friends. So it is a heist novel. Yeah, and. I think you'll really like it, Marvin, because yeah. it sounds like it's your jam. Yeah, this book has been on my to-read list for, like, ever since this book club started and I found out about it, like, five years ago. Um, I'm glad that it's being made into a TV series, because I feel like there's so many characters that deserve, like, more than just a cameo appearance. Yeah, and it's going to be an international TV series, which means probably um, Taiwanese actors and probably mandarin speaking um similar to the adaptation of um of the ghost bride um it is interesting though like i wonder if william lee is going to play a role in it because he is not taiwanese but it's also pretty you know a pretty good character actor and and stuntman yeah because like it is like a heist it's like a heist action story so it would make sense if he used his stunt work to to his advantage but we'll see yeah um i'm really really happy that cindy pawn is getting her work adapted because cindy pawn is like an og like asian american writer <laughs> like she mentored so many uh current asian american authors she was there like paving the way um with you know a lot of the prejudices that uh that a lot of marginalized authors face, but it was like 10 times worse back then when she was publishing. So I'm really glad that her uh, efforts are being rewarded. Yeah. I mean, again, it is only an option right now, so nothing's in production, but I'm sure Soul Street acquired the the rights, fully intending to to see it through. And the fact that they're looking for an Asian American um, head writer is, it bodes well for, for at least um, the series being adapted in the right way. Yeah, but I do hope that they get a Taiwanese American 
writer in in their writing team at least yeah that that should be like number one priority i feel like which is fine because i think there are quite a few to choose from um yeah there's a lot to choose from yeah (laughs) so they don't have an they don't have an excuse that's what i'm trying to say like don't mess up (laughs) the rep sweats are real yeah (laughs) yeah for sure um and yeah and since that was our only piece of news um that'll also do it for this episode of books and boba rira as always thank you so much for taking the time to compile um the latest book and publishing news i do rely on you because i i I did not have time this week to do anything i did not have time either (laughs) but i've done this for so many years now that i'm like i can do it if i focus for two hours (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rira, can you remind us what our book club pick is for February 2022? So we are reading Good Talk, a graphic memoir by Mira Jacob, who is an Indian American and child of immigrants. So yeah, graphic memoir this time <laughs> around. Graphic memoir, graphic novel, uh, because it is a short month. I cannot believe the last week of February is next week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So hopefully, you know, if you haven't started, you'll have enough time to finish it because it's a graphic memoir and those tend to be a lot faster to finish. And yeah, um, that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you all next time for our discussion of Good Talk. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about the collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lunyang. You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that. But you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. <laughs>